Date with a Debut is a Words and Nerds and Breathe Art podcast co-production, recorded on a Wagbacool country. And I pay my respects to all elders past and present, and extend that to any First Nations people tuning in. Always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. On with the show. I guess one of the things that working as a lawyer does prepare you for is judgment and um, feedback that you you may not like and having to be quite considered about that. So yeah, I, I, I relished it. Hello, my name is Nick Rosilio, former host of Tell Me What to Read, author of When Men Cry, and we're continuing this special mini-series with Words and Nerds, shining a light on debut novelists, their journey to publication. If you're looking for new books and new authors to check out, this is the place to be. You're looking for writing inspiration, this is the place to be. This is Date with a Debut, because nothing hits you like a first impression. And for our second episode in this series, I'm really delighted to be joined by Marley Waugh, Formerly, she was a, or she used to work in a library and a chocolate shop, but now she plies her trade as a lawyer. Her novel, Judgment Day, is her debut, and it's out now through Pam McMillan Australia, and it's already received acclaim from the likes of Shelley Burr, Margaret Hickey, and Tim Ailiff. Marley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, and uh, in typical date fashion, we'll we'll start off start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. I'm particularly interested because you you're now working as a lawyer. How did you come to start a writing journey? Slow and meandering story. I um <laughs> I always wanted to be a writer. I always thought that that would be what I did eventually. But I I guess I initially thought, oh, as soon as I leave leave school I'll just write this incredible novel <laughs> um and of course that didn't happen um I didn't get the the mark that I wanted to in literature in year 12 I remember and so my <laughs> confidence was a little bit went off for uni did some creative writing there confidence dashed a little bit more and then found myself in in law school and then going through uni working as a judge's associate then working at legal aid for a few years and the entire time I'd always sort of have ideas um, and write things in my head, but I never actually put fingers to keyboard or, or pen to paper until I was on maternity leave with my my second child. And then I, I guess being a parent is, you know, a very humbling experience. You have like your children humiliate you on a daily, sometimes hourly basis. Um, and once you've been through that, you care a lot less, I think, about what people think and so I was able to actually to write something and and throw it out there and see if anyone was interested or not I love it and also I love the fact that it was it was a long arduous journey or people are always like oh I'll just get that book out there and and it'll be great but often it's 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 a long hard road to get words down on a page and you know judging by the reaction it's it was worth the wait because this book's great this is a really fun book. We're in a unique situation with this podcast because often, it, uh, you know, a lot of the, the the books in this series that I've been doing have been books that are about to come out or at the time of recording are due to release. But your book has been out for a little while. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the reaction? Has it surprised you? Has it delighted you? Where's your headspace in terms of the reaction to this yeah, book? It has really surprised me, um, surprised and, and humbled me. I think at, at every stage of this journey, I think I was operating on the assumption that no one would actually read it. And then once it got to the point where people were, were reading it, I was initially just 
absolutely terrified. Um, and now I'm sort of have accepted the fact that it's that it's out in the world and it's and the feedback has been really positive and really encouraging and really affirming. Yeah. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about it. Um, we always like to. I always like to start by you know giving us your one minute pitch for Judgment Day, and I know that you've probably had a little bit of chance to to practice this a little bit. What is Judgment Day about? Oh, okay. So, um, Elevator Pitch Kay Bailey is a controversial but very skilled judge who is found murdered in her chambers. Uh, and Gillian Bassett is our troubled detective who is trying to escape her home life by investigating Kay's murder. Mm. Um, we we go behind the scenes at the family law courts. We dive into the lives of uh, various litigants, various people associated with the court and come out with a very, very different understanding of how that whole world works. Mm. Great. You've summarised it perfectly. And also I love that you've kept it relatively spoiler-free because we try <laughs> to keep free of spoilers here. Um, and I will say that there are so many great pickings in Australian crime right now. I feel like it's just, it's become such a, I've just been in like in awe of how many great books there are out there. And I love the twists and turns that you pull off in this book, first and foremost. This, and I want to first of all ask before we dive into the characters, this space that you have crafted um, of Melbourne's family law courts, it's it's it, it almost felt like a, a a character in itself because it's a place filled with drama. There are egos. There is, you know, there it's it felt so interesting. And yeah, it, you also I also got a sense with this with this book. You you were digging into the nature of the legal system itself, mm -hmm. and I got the sense that this was there was more than just a story you were kind of talking about here. Um, given your background as well, working in this lawyer space. What was it like, first of all, bringing this space that you have, you know, you have some experience into life, like, and what did doing that, putting it on the page, which would come with challenges all of its own, because you're thinking about what to include, what not to include, what did it, did it make you look at the legal system in new ways that you didn't before? Look, I think the book was probably my way on reflecting on uh, things I'd, I'd learned about the legal system, things that had never occurred to me before. I, I worked in that space and, and a lot of the assumptions that I had about it. Um, in terms of how it how it came to be, I think it's such a, an intimate environment, the court environment, and it's got its own language and it's got its own culture and it, there are all these things that are very uh, unique and confusing and bizarre about it. So it just seemed like such an opportune place to set a book. And then also in addition to doing that, um, Melbourne, you know, our beautiful city, that was what I was familiar with. This was my my first book. But also it just felt like it was an opportunity to ground it in something very real. Um, I tried to refer to specific suburbs, specific places, just to, I guess, make it make it as authentic as possible. It definitely feels like, you know, the Melbourne that we know, but also with this this court space that a lot of people aren't familiar with, it actually shows Melbourne in a new way, in ways that, you know, some people may actually kind of go a bit about. They're a bit like it, 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 there's some surprises to it. And I love that you frame it perfectly through Gillian, 
um, first and foremost. She's just, she's a great character. She's deep in, she's kind of thrown into the deep end with this case um, a little bit, especially because she herself is coming back from, from maternity leave. And I love that her drama and her struggles in her own family also serve as a, as a major point that drive this, this story forward. And I also just want to shout out uh, her partner, John, um, John McClintock. How did these characters come into your life? How, where did they emerge? Well, the idea of Gillian initially, when I started writing it, I just had, I think I, I must have been annoyed with one of my kids, um, <laughs> the older one. I was writing it and I had this image of this female detective in a car uh, driving, doing the school run and just yelling at one of her kids in the back seat. Um, and just being anxious to get the school run over so that she could get to work and, and do what she really enjoyed. And that was the first time that I guess I mentally encountered Gillian. And then obviously in the story, uh, the child that she has is much younger. But it just, the idea of this frazzled mum who possibly doesn't even really want to be a mum working in the family law courts where people are fighting tooth and nail to continue being a mum. It just seemed like such a perfect inversion on the idea of the courts. Yeah. Mm, yes. It's, yeah, I think she's she's so fun. It's it's definitely a, a new play on the detective, you know, trope and genre because you have, yeah. a, you have someone who, uh, you know, is very much in the space of, you know, that she is in this particular position. She has a family and she's coming back into this space that she loves. She's, you know, probably a bit rusty. She's not, she's kind of getting the swing of things again. And particularly on such a delicate case as, mm. uh, you know, someone who she's worked, she's in a, she's in the same space with and interacting with a lot. Tell me a lot about, tell me a little bit about John too, because he comes into this in a very interesting place as well, because he's dealing with some stuff too. That was by design. I think I always had this idea of, of him being this kind of blokey, suave, sort of, I don't know, Gillen McLaughlin, AFL sort of private school type of um, character. Oh, yes. But then one of the overarching themes of the book is this idea that people are not always what they seem. So I, I wanted to have um, a representation of that within one of the main male characters. So So that was that was what I was aiming for there. Um, it was important that he had some some hidden depth. Yeah, he's a, he's a great character, and it also leans into again leans into this this space, the courts, the place. Um, you do have a bit to say a bit about power, the actual power dynamics in in this particular space. It's and you know there's a lot of that that kind of dynamic is really really interesting and the the courts are seen as a fundamental place where democracy is seen to be it's like a core part of if you're if you you know of of the ground it's like a ground zero of of where we see that dynamic in action but this book also shows that like it, I, it kind of took me aback a little bit having not been familiar with this space that's also mm -hmm. a place of of division and where you can actually see who has the power and who doesn't mm -hmm. a little bit do you think that the aspirations that, you know, we often idolise and set for our courts, are they, can they actually be achieved in your opinion after kind of well, looking at this book? Look, that's a big question, very big question. I think 
Regarding the issue of power, I don't know that there is any system that we could invent where when you're dealing with the breakdown of relationship, what's going to happen to the family home, what's going to happen Mm. with your kids, where, where people will ever feel in control or like they have the power. I just think that that is beyond the skills of, you know, the, the best framers in the world. I, the very nature of the system is that you are you are disempowered, which isn't to say that the outcomes that come out of that are wrong or, or necessarily that they're always right, but just that when you're dealing with these most intimate parts of people's lives, of, of course they're going to feel powerless and you know, a home is such a sanctuary for people. Mm. And then when there's a relationship breakdown, suddenly you've got two lawyers involved. And then in addition to two lawyers, you've probably got two barristers involved. And then if they all can't come up with some agreement together about what should happen, then you've also probably got a judge involved. And suddenly these most, you know, these most private things are being decided by all these people who've never met your your kids and that that does a number number on people it's yeah it, and i it's it feel like it does feel like that with this like the this space and it's it's so done again it goes back to just how will you achieve you nail it in this book and i it's it's i think it's it's definitely a spin on a lot of those you know those great crime books that we that has that have come out recently and i think it's a it's just absolutely fantastic I also want to ask you about your journey to publication and how you, you know, how this book went from point A as an idea that's something you'd been wanting to do for such a long time to now finally being in the hands of readers. What was that journey like? It's a a journey um, in which I've always just been aiming for the next possible things. I think initially I, a friend of mine had written a book, um, name is Bill, he wrote a, a wonderful book called Modern Marriage. And I asked him how he got published and he'd done literary speed dating. And I thought, okay, um, I don't know if what I've written is any good or not, but I'll try literary speed dating and I'll see if an agent's interested in the concept. Then I'll at least know if it's a little bit okay or not. So I pitched to Martin, my agent, um, at the Australian Society of Authors Speed Dating Function. Um, And he said, oh, look, sounds interesting for me. It might have been 30 pages. So I sent him 30 pages and I thought, well, you know, at least I know that there's some initial interest. It can't be totally terrible. And then he said, send me another 50 pages. And I was like, all right, um, you know, uh, at least my writing's not so terrible that, you know, no one's ever, ever, ever going to read it. And then it was send me another 100 and then send me the rest of the book. And I was like, okay, well, if an agent's taking the time to, to read the whole book, even if he doesn't sign me, that's okay. But I'll be happy if he signs me. Mm-hmm. And then he signed me. Um, and then it became a case of will any publishers be interested or not? Um, and he was absolutely certain that they would be. I was being negative and convinced that <laughs> um, this was as good as it was going to get and that I should be really happy with the fact that I'd managed to secure an agent. Um, but then he he pitched it and we got a few offers which was amazing and again I thought I'd be happy um, with just picking a publication and we went with Pan Mac and they were 
absolutely brilliant through the entire process. Um, but then it became a case of, okay, I've written a book now. Now I want it. To, now I really want it to be a bestseller. <laughs> Will I be happy if it's not a bestseller? Like, but yeah, so it was. It was just this long process of making deals with myself and and hoping to be content at every stage of the way. Yeah. It's, it, I, I love that you were kind of, you, 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 how grounded you were. Like a lot of people often have such high hopes and aspirations when they put a book out and you were just kind of like being honest, being pragmatic about it. Um, what was it like, if I can poke a little bit more, what was the editing process like as well? Because you've got this manuscript, it's crafted, it's created. And as we heard, you know, Pan Mac did a fantastic job you know, helping you put it together and craft it. Like everyone often talks about the first the first draft and completing it. Um, from personal experience, I only felt like it really started to make sense as a writer when the editor got involved and suddenly they started to, to give you feedback and say, hey, this works, this doesn't. Was that the case for you? You know, I think I was actually really kind of excited about the editing process. Mm. Um uh, aside from my husband and my mum and my agent, only the, the publishers had read it. Um, and I I guess I wanted some really thorough feedback uh, to get a sense of what I'd done right and what I'd done wrong. And I guess one of the things that working as a lawyer does prepare you for is judgment and um, feedback that you you may not like and having to be quite considered about that. So, yeah, I, I, I relished it. It's funny, though. I reckon if I had done this, you know, 20 years ago, like straight out of high school, rather than come to writing now, I reckon I, I would have really struggled with getting any ne- negative feedback about, um, about the manuscript. I think I would have been a lot more precious about it. Yeah, it's again like learning. It's 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 one thing to say kill your darlings, but it's a it's a, another to actually learn the value of it and see how uh, fantastic it can be when suddenly one or two things are changed or moved around or removed, and and the story makes sense and flows mm. well. It's it's, yeah. it's it's it can be r- ruthless, but I it's I also find it can be quite liberating as well. Absolutely, yeah. I um I think that praise is so much more meaningful mm. when there's considered and constructive criticism as well. Um, knowing the bits that you're getting right means a lot more when the bits that you haven't got quite right are identified for you. What, what would be your advice for first-time authors? So say there's someone who's listening to this, for example, who is Marley from 20 years ago wanting to write a story. What would you say? Uh, look, Marley of 20 years ago, I probably would have told her that she needs to go and get some life experience <laughs> and just be prepared for the fact that she's probably not going to write the, the great Australian novel um, at 18. I think that uh, my advice would be not to be afraid to put yourself out there. I know that sounds like a complete cliche, but I think that it's it's absolutely true. And also to accept criticism that you get with gratitude as I was just saying before um the criticism is there um if it's given with good intentions uh, to help you be the best that you possibly can and while it can feel agonizing when you've you know spent two hours constructing a perfect sentence only to find it's been track changed into oblivion um it, it it's all there to help you be better 
Mm. Yeah. I love that. And I also love the the not not being afraid to put yourself out there. I think authors are there's a lot of really great authors who who I think struggle with that a little bit sometimes because Yeah, it's terrifying, but if you don't do it, you'll never know, right? <laughs> mm, absolutely. What's next for you? Will will we see Julian again? I would love to write another another book. I'm just had my third child fairly recently, so I'm on maternity leave at the moment and, you know, turning some ideas over at present. It's just, um, yeah, a case of, of finding the time to and the uh, headspace to sit down, sit down and write about the things that I've been thinking about. Well, whatever comes next, I'm super excited because uh, it's, I reckon it's, you're, you're really onto something wonderful here and you should be really, really proud of this book. We'll finish off with some rapid fire questions uh, as, as the final part of the pod. No pressure all right. at all, just a bit of fun. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what was your favourite book that you have read from the last 12 months? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm embarrassed about some of the um, the absolutely trashy fan Oh, no, style. no judgment here. I, if you have but trash, I- I'll say yes to that. Okay. <laughs> Aside from the trashy fan fiction that I'm too embarrassed to tell you about. Uh, I read uh, All These Perfect Strangers by Aoife Clifford, which I loved. Um, It made me this nostalgic for living at halls uh, when I was in university, but it also contains a murder, really juicy and fun. I've been trying to work through um, the final in the Wolf Hall series by Hilary Mantle. Oh, Um, God. Yeah, but it's really hard. (laughs) Yes, it's just her ability to to put words together in this is totally unique ways or inspiring, and yet at the same time, it, it's so dense mm. um, that you need to you need to concentrate. Um, and also, uh, Sally Steiner, I've been just smashing her stuff. And Spare by Prince Harry. Oh Loved yes, it. Spare. Oh my goodness, yes. Now that's a juicy book. <laughs> <laughs> Very juicy, but also um, to to draw a parallel with with Judgment Day. I think you know both both have insight into worlds that probably are quite mysterious to other people, and just the little details about his day to day life. I was like, oh my god! Like he gets sausage rolls served to him on like a big silver platter with uh, the lid getting removed. I was like, imagine being like that as a kid. That's amazing. Anyway, loved it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Great, great picks. Yes, please. Do you have a favourite word? Oh, I don't know if it's a favourite or not, but the, the word that I would use most at the moment seems to be stop um, because I have a two-year-old that has worked out how to use every appliance in our house um, and a four-year-old that likes to help him with that. So it's stop using the microwave, stop using the dishwasher, uh, <laughs> stop, um, stop activating the doorbell, you name it, it's stop. <laughs> That's a gr- it's a good word. It's a it, you it doesn't can use work. it anywhere. It does the job. <laughs> Where would be your favorite place to read? And this is for anything. It could be spare or it can be fun, trashy fun uh, fan fiction. Uh, would it be in bed, on the couch, or out the back in the shade on a sunny afternoon? Oh look any of those if it was completely by myself would be wonderful 
Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, um, I have to listen to most of my books, which mm-hmm. I know a lot consider not reading. I know that that's a controversial um, area, but the, the only way that I get to enjoy any book is either on my phone or when I'm driving the kids somewhere, I'll, I'll play Audible and tell them to stop so that I can hear it. Mm. Audible, I have to be honest, I've done, I've started doing that similarly on my commute, actually. It's yeah. quite like whenever I was commuting, um, when I was going to work, it's a, it's a great place to just actually sit and listen. It's quite nice. So more, yeah. more power to audiobooks. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. And if, yeah, the only problem is if you don't like the narrator for one reason or another, you know, I think advantages with, with reading it as well is getting that internal voice. I think for the most part, audiobooks just easier. Last question. Mm. What is the best debut book that you've ever read? Oh. And it can be anything on the table here, anything on the table, but favourite debut? Mothering Heights. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm finally, I was waiting for someone to actually mention a classic, like a yeah. classic book, because if anyone asked me that question, I would immediately be going to someone like To Kill a Mockingbird. That's a debut. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it's a, and it's unbelievable. Um, uh, just, yeah, you, <laughs> just thinking about, yeah, Emily Bronte just taps oh. that out. Incredible. Uh, the most passionate, beautiful, kind of messed up romance in the history of the world. And, yeah, first and only book she ever wrote. Oh, no. And just, just like, bang, drop Wuthering Heights and then leave. What? A, what a, imagine just actually having getting the chance to hang out with all of the Brontes. Just a matter. Like, I've had to have a think about that, what that dynamic would be like. It would be fantastic. I wonder if it would be fun. I see, I've, I've got two sisters and I kind of, yeah, I wonder what, you know, I feel like there'd be a lot of internal jokes and... <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if they'd be like the type of people you want to kick back with. I think there'd be an intensity there too. But um, I, w- I would like to meet them nonetheless. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like talk about a high achieving family just uh, as, you, as you are. <laughs> I, I think they had a dodgy brother though. There's, there's one in every family. I think he was also a painter though. Like, because there was oh. the three of them. But like he was dodgy, but he also was a painter oh. just casually on the side. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it, it would be a funny dynamic. But, yes, what a good pick. Wuthering Heights, yes, please. Uh, I honestly could talk to you all day, and I'm fully and I'm fully aware that, you know, I, I do love a good, good chat with fellow, fellow literary folk, but unfortunately we've run out of time. So I'll simply say to all of our listeners, just go and buy Judgment Day. It is out now. It is published by Pam McMillan. Um, if you like the show, drop Words and Nerds a review. Let us know what you think and who you'd like to hear from next. I'll finish off by saying, Molly, thank you so much. It's been so much fun having you on. Thank you so much for having me. 